And we are live yet again with another episode of Comic Talk. It's that show brought to you by The Keeg, where we talk about uh, this week's new releases of comics. Now, for those of you who don't know, new DC comics come out every Tuesdays, every week, every Tuesday. Uh, new Marvel and co indie comics come out every Wednesday. And we're here on a Thursday, April 6, 2023, to talk about this week's releases of comics. I'm your host, Demetri Pereira. And if you are watching this live, via live stream, twitch.tv slash the key show, youtube.com slash the key show, uh, like Byron, Myron, Fyron out there, Fyron and all cylinders. Uh, you can see who the guest is and that's longtime guest. Well, what's, what is long time? I don't know what time is. Uh, time isn't Drew real, Maxie, man. Drew X deficit pronounced Drew deficit, but that's how you find them with an X. Drew, how's it going, man? Uh, I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I just uh, got back from C2E. I just I just flew back from C2E2, and boy, are my arms tired. Very, very, uh, very nice. Uh, that is, listen, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about that, because first of all, uh, it looked like you and a lot of other people who uh, I know from comic stuff on the internet now uh, were all there, and it gave me severe FOMO um, yeah. because I used to go to C2E2 every year. I went the first, um, I want to say like the first seven or eight years that they did it uh -huh. uh, in, in a row, didn't miss uh, a year. And then um, eventually like life got in the way and I haven't been back since. Um, and I you really- Did you go to the first ever one? Did you go to, like, did you go to uh, C1E1? I went to the very first one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, C O E O. See, it was it was like a zero oh, issue, but it was a soft open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I went to the very first one. Um, um, guests who were there. Uh, I mean, I saw. I'm not the kind of person like I don't really care about entertainment guests. You know, I'm not like I'm not the guy who's buying like uh, uh, pictures and, and yeah, autographs like, and stuff. Yeah, neither I'm, am I. But a lot yeah. of people are. It's a big well, thing. But uh, I was there and I, I, I didn't like go talk to her or like buy a photo op with her or anything, but I saw Carrie Fisher like walk past Ooh. me um, okay. the first year, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, Neil Gaiman was there um, as the guest of honor. Uh -huh. uh, I got, um, hold on a second. Give me, give me a second. I'll, I'll, I'll grab yeah. something cool. Yeah. I want to shout out some people out there. Uh, we got Byron, Myron, Fyron, who I did interview. Um, at C2E2. Thanks for finding us here, Byron. Uh, we also got Alec oh, from State Farm. Can't ever see it. Let me get my head. Oh, what's up? In. Yeah. I'm you just can't... prepping images for this show. So you you do what you need to do and I can ramble until you're ready. So you, you can't ever see it because uh, mm -hmm. usually my arm is covered, but also it's like out of the frame anyway. But I have uh, uh, a, like three quarters of my arm is... Uh, uh, a sleeve made from pages out of a very specific Batman comic. Um, it okay. is, uh, it's pages from detective comics, number eight fifty three, which is part two of Neil Gaiman and Andy Kubert's story. Whatever happened to the Cape crusader? Um, okay. Yeah. Is that so, after, is that at, like during the death of Batman around it that, is, like RIP? It is directly after RIP. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, I 
was walking through uh, C2E2, didn't know he was going to be there because he wasn't supposed to be, uh, he wasn't listed as like a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just happened to bring up a, a, my book just in case, my copy of Detective of 53. Uh, <laughs> and I passed by the Kubert School uh, booth and Andy Kubert was there. So I stop and I talk to him. Uh, and I show him my then, actually it's still unfinished, but then very unfinished uh, tattoo and just said like, you know, I got your art tattooed on me. Um, And he didn't give me the art for it, but he gave me uh, preliminary art where he was actually like sketching out what it was like, what the page was going to look like um, before he actually went like on the card stuff. Okay, yeah. So uh, I have this... um, uh, kind of like early sketch. a lot of people out there they don't know the process that it takes to create a comic book right like that is like artists go through so many steps to get us the finished page mm-hmm. that's just one of the steps right yeah yeah and so this is just him kind of sketching things out figuring out where it's going to be he signed it down at the bottom uh wrote it you know signed it to me um yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a thing that I just have now. And uh, he asked me if I would show him when I got progress done on it. But then we forgot to exchange any type of information. So. So, so. did you get your tattoo? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 had it done for, you know, I, I got it started maybe a month before I went to that uh, that convention. So yeah. I showed him like the black and white uh you know just the inks of it um just outline stuff uh but you know now it's got like color and again it's still unfinished uh yeah. but one day it'll be finished but yeah man i love c2e2 it's 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 great uh it i've been to big conventions i've been to small conventions it feels like a really good mix of both yeah um there's something there for everybody but what i love about it is that they don't they have never like de-emphasized the comic Mm -hmm. aspect of the comic convention. Whereas something like, I think uh, it used to be wizard world. Now they call it fan expo. That's just entertainment guests. It's I, I went to one wizard world back before WonderCon was a thing. It was wizard world or wizard con or something like that in Anaheim. Uh, And it was my first con. And I guess it was nice as far as a first con is, but I was disappointed by it. Very disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have I more? Think... F- oh, was it? I was going to say, did you have more fun at C2E2? Than Wizard World? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wizard World yeah, okay. was, you know, no offense to Wizard World out there. If you want, you know, I maybe who knows how it is now. It was like 10 years ago. But uh, uh, C2E2 was good. I'm used to WonderCon, LA Con. Like I've been to WonderCon, LA Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con, C2E2 now. So yeah. out of those four, like they're all pretty up there. One yeah. could say was C2E2 better for me than LA Comic Con? Yeah, maybe. It could it could be. WonderCon's my home con. Yeah, because that's like that's in Anaheim, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like right across from Disneyland. So gotcha. You know, celebrities will come out, they'll do a panel and then they'll just go to Disney. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I, the, I you know. I've got I've got cool stories from C2E2. Uh, I made Jeff Johns really mad one time. 
Mm, uh, I've, I've met uh, Jeff Johns. I used to be on a talking basis with him. He oh, wanted nice. me for something and I never found out. Now it's been years later <laughs> and now who knows what he's up to and no comment, but you know, yeah. so who knows? Um, Byron McFire, Byron Myron Fyron says I met that uh, he met Chris Evans um, at C2E2 this year, which is awesome. oh, nice. A lot of people got pictures with Chris Evans. Uh, I he hear that there. he is really nice. Yeah, that's what I heard. Did you do um, any celebrities? Me personally? Yeah. Did you meet any any celebrities? Those are two different questions, my man. Uh, did I mean any celebrities? I met Saladin Ahmed, who uh, I talked to him. Right. Uh, writer uh, uh, or ex-writer of Miles Morales Spider-Man. Um, he wrote a good run, like a good run and a long run. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, t- I talked to him. I talked to Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Shout out to 8 Million Genies. Uh, or 8 Billion Genies, I mean. Yeah. Um, but uh, the new issue should be coming out any week. Now. So the final issue of 8 Billion Genies, you know. Um but uh, I just wanted to, to point out that you guys out there should find a comic shop near you. Going to cons is great. Find a comic shop near you with comicshoplocator.com. Um, and you can find a comic shop near you. And not all of them are going to be 10 out of 10s. But you you got to find the ones that work for you. Especially, like, find ones that are safe and inviting and uh, not filled with uh, pretentious douches. You know, that's the tough part. That's the tough part. Um, but yes, like I was saying before, a lot of comics come out every single week. DC's Tuesdays, Marvel and Indies Wednesdays. Uh, both you and I, Drew, we we read a good amount. I want to know what were the comics that you read this week? Okay, so I will. Uh, I got them here. Um, yeah. There's four that I bought that I haven't read yet. So I'm going to set those to the side. We can talk about All those right. later. Okay. Um, I read Saga number 63. Uh, been okay. reading been reading this since day one uh mm-hmm. i i never miss uh an issue mm-hmm. um i read poison ivy number 11 awesome i'm putting up the uh the comic covers myself just cool so you know. uh i read uh the adventures of superman john kent number two okay uh i read batman 134 mm-hmm. i read love everlasting number six uh-huh. And the last one, I don't know if you got a cover for this one. No, but... so I'll show that on, on the screen here. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. I got uh, uh, a book from Vault Comics called The Nasty. Uh, Nasty. And this is the first issue of this. And and I picked it up kind of on the uh, recommendation of the owner of my local comic shop. Okay. So. That's a good amount. Again, some people struggle to, to pick up any books on a given week right yeah um it just so happens that we have this show that we we have to it's fun it's a fun obligation um but we have to i'll tell you what it gets me to read more of the things that like like last week uh i read maybe i I probably bought 11 comics i think i read four of them yeah Um, so you know it doing this gets me to read the stuff that i'm buying which is good as long as you're happy about it you're not being forced to read comics you don't want to read because there are comics that aren't that good out there or that don't resonate with us. Yeah, that happens. But you know, what is, what is happy anyway? 
I mean, you know, we're all chasing. Other, other than a book by uh, uh, Grant Morrison and Derek Roberson. Is that the one that they made into a show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I read this week? I read uh, Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number two. I also read Batman 134. I read Immoral X-Men 3, Flash 796, Nightclub 4, Scarlet Witch 4, Wolverine 32, Spider-Man 7, and Amazing Spider-Man 23. And this was a slow, uh, slow week. Yeah. For me. There was there was uh there was a lot that I really wanted to to read. Um I also tried to read Icon versus Hardware number two. I read number one and I liked number one, but number two, I got like five pages in, six pages, and I'm like, I cannot, I don't I need to reread one again to like understand yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know. Um so there are good things from all all these companies. Byron Myron Fire and says love Marvel. Um, uh, Marvel books are good. DC books are good. There's a lot of indies that I learned from you guys, like all the guests that are on the show, Drew and you know Manny, both Mannies that are on the show. Um, um, so this is, I mean, this is the the show to listen to for what to to read. What was your pick of the week? Um, if I had, let me let me let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, I liked a lot of what I read this week. Um, yeah. Oh, I feel like it's a book that everybody says, but it's saga. Everybody says saga. I'm not blaming you, but yeah. yes, you're right. Yeah. Saga is, uh, yeah, it's just a really good book. And I, I think about this book all the time. Um, because when it comes to like when it comes to long running series which at this point it it is i mean it's run for over 10 years um i'm looking at it yeah it came out 2012 breaks, march 2012 with, with yeah. a four year hiatus yeah which yeah. is crazy four year hiatus but yes it came out in march 2012 so like it's a long running book at this point yeah. Um, many times when you're talking about, especially an indie book that's been mm-hmm. running for a while, that's highly praised, you can point to all of the things that it's doing that are like innovative for the medium, you know? And the thing about mm-hmm. Saga is I don't think that it's doing like anything particularly, like it's not reinventing the wheel. Okay. It is just really well made. It's very well written. The art is very good. There feels like no page and no word is wasted. Yeah. It's just really good. And there's is it no the characters. Point... Is it the plot? What's the draw? Because I've probably gotten into like six issues of Saga. That's probably all I've read. Okay. Uh, and I always hear it's great. It's the it's like I the think unanimous vote. I think the thing I think the thing that like makes Saga so interesting is number one it's just consistently like it's consistently good there's never an issue of Saga that feels like filler there's never an issue that feels like um, it's just there to like fill you know to, to put a book out like every issue 
fleshes out the world, makes pushes the characters forward and tells you who they are um, mm. in in a way that's just captivating. Um, it is uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know what Saga is about. I feel like we've talked about we've given like a little synopsis of it. Before, yeah. What's the what's the quick premise? So for anyone, because it's a self-contained story, which is nice. There's no spin-offs. There's no shared universe. If somebody yeah. just wants to read a story from start to finish, Saga is one so, of those stories. Yeah, like like Saga is um it is narrated by uh it's narrated by the child of these two opposing uh opposing races essentially um the the uh dad is uh was a uh the dad was uh a member of an army on this planet called landfall Mm -hmm. and uh the mom was a member of the opposing army of the moon of landfall which uh i can't remember the name of the moon but um they met when he was a prisoner of war and she was the uh 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 like the uh, the soldier in charge of looking after him um they uh shared a bond uh as they got closer and closer realized the war was stupid and uh ended up falling in love had a baby and went on the run because they knew that both sides would uh, kill them for being traitors and take their baby uh, uh, for being like, you know, this terrible offspring of, you know, these two uh, uh, people who should have never met, you know? Um, And it makes, I mean, it makes a lot of statements about the nature of war and what is conflict and, um, other you know like big ideas like who actually benefits from a war who's who's who are the people who uh see the most damage from violence and and uh this new issue uh includes like basically makes like pokes fun at amazon um yeah i can see that by the cover and it also like at the same time, like it deals with very what what I love about the book is that it deals with very heavy issues, but it also has this very juvenile sense of humor about certain things in a way that like kind of forces you to strip away all like the romanticism about certain things and just look at it honestly. Um, so like yeah. for example. Uh, the fa- the like the opening of like the very first page of the book is uh, the woman giving birth to the baby and she's you know we think of like childbirth is like this oh it's this beautiful wonderful thing uh, yeah. and she's she's worried about how it feels like she is also like pooping all over the baby which is a real thing that happens uh, yeah. sometimes when, when babies are, when babies are born, the mom, you know, excretes <laughs> and it happens. Uh, yeah. I mean, in there's like, it's real life. You're saying it's real yeah, life. It's realistic. It doesn't pull its punches, but, but it does it in a, in, you know, a space opera with all these crazy cast, like this crazy cast of characters, 
Um, there's magic involved. I mean, the best way that I can describe it is that it is a really adult cross between Star Wars and Final Fantasy. And okay. it's, it, 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 I mean, it just, it doesn't pull any punches um, with its content. They've gotten, they've hit some controversy before because they've published some stuff that could be deemed as, I mean, it, it could be deemed as pornographic. Mm. Um, and it was how real it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a very poignant, very tonally different, but cohesive book. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will eventually give it a shot again. Because again, I probably read it back in 2013, maybe yeah. 2014. Might have been the first trade that I read. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I just never <laughs> got back to it. Um, so I gotta I gotta pick it up. Um, but now I'm 63 issues behind. So I'll, but the thing I'll is work on that. it's so easy to get caught up because yeah. it like it's it's a book that when you read it, you just don't mm-hmm. want to put it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been reading, like I said, I picked up issue one when it came out and I've been reading yeah. it since then. Um, I was, you know, I was on board with it because it was like Brian K. Vaughn was coming back to comics. He had taken some time away from comics. He did, uh, you know, like he got high praise for uh, Why the Last Man. He got yeah. pretty high praise for Ex Machina. He got high yeah. praise for Pride of Baghdad. And, uh, you know, he did uh, his uh marvel book um runaways and then he went away from comics and he started making the show lost <laughs> you know like he oh, yeah he was like one of the writers on lost um and then when that was done he came back and he was making his return to the thing that made him a name you know yeah uh and he i mean he came out with a bang yeah um i'll i'll you're preaching to the choir, but this choir hasn't learned the music yet. So, like, I'm here. I'll show up. Rehearsals next Tuesday? Great. I'll, I'll have to get to it. Um, yeah, yeah, you gotta. You gotta. <laughs> again, I hear, I mean, it's a unanimous vote from, like, everybody that Saga is great. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you this. Uh, we already know when it's going to end. It is when, going to issue. It is going to end with issue 108 why why 108 that that's just the number of issues they said they were going to do um okay they they reached issue 54 something really big happened and then they took the four-year hiatus because they said that's the halfway point so 54 more issues yeah 108 is when it's going to end if you're if you're still doing this when issue 108 comes out there needs to be a big talk about what the series means. Okay. Uh, 54, 12 times four is 48. So we're dealing with like four more years, but they take a month off every, at the end of every story arc. So that's going to be fun to compute. I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it work. We're, we're, we're talking like six years from now. Yeah. I am trying to figure out what my pick of the week is. And there were a lot of damn good, good ones this, this week. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't read as much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. 
but I've read a bunch of good ones. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to say, oh, and I, I feel weird saying this, but it has been consistently getting better. And I'm gonna put my vote finally. I think it deserves it. I think it's earned it. Sins of Sinister, a moral X-Men number three. Okay, so you need to tell me about this book because I am not reading anything X-Men. So so the way this this storyline works, it's a self-contained event, roughly, because it's almost like a it's an alternate timeline. Okay. And eventually they will go back in time and they will unsplinter it. But there will be ramifications. But right now, the X-Men books are still going on, except for three titles that have shifted their names. Immortal X-Men is Immoral X-Men. Which is a great title, by the way. Yeah. Uh, The book that Nightcrawler was on, Legion of X, is now Nightcrawlers. And then Storm's X, uh, the X-Men Red, which starred Storm, is now called Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Okay. And so, but here's the thing. This event is only, like, I think Sins of Sinister won, then a final Sins of Sinister book, but then, and then nine books in between. So it's just three series, three books each. To package kind of the story. It's 11 sure. issue story, right? Sure. Uh, across three different series for, th- you know, it's only three months long. So it's one of those, like, take it or leave it, right? And I was yeah. going to say that, like, I would leave it. I, I was going to read it, but I was like, I don't want this. Who asked for this? I, I mean, whatever. It's been increasingly getting better because the first issue takes place 10 years down the line of this fractured timeline. The second issue of each of these books takes place 100 years. And then the third book of each of these books takes place 1,000 years Oh, down okay. the fractured timeline. Because X-Men's been playing around with that power. Like, that's where Powers of X comes from. Mm -hmm. House of X, Powers of 10. Powers of 10. So it's 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, you know, so on and so forth. Um, So this one has been good. So this is a moral X-Men issue number three. And it's a thousand years down this fractured timeline where essentially everybody became a sinister clone. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Sinister took over everybody, essentially. And he swapped out the real person for a clone, a Sinister version of them. But they are all such Sinister clones that they kick him out. And they start taking over the universe. Okay. So so the real Mr. Sinister is a pariah. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. Is he going to take over the universe? What's his What's his end goal? Is he going to go back in time? And so this is now a thousand years down the line and it goes through each character of the X-Men has essentially lived for a thousand years and has like become gods in their own right. Yeah. Like Emma Frost, instead of being, well, spoiler alert for this issue, but Emma Frost in this future, this thousand year line, instead of being like diamond, like she normally is, she is made up of the gem of Cytorak which is the thing that powers Juggernaut. Oh, okay, okay. Like, she's figured out a way to swap her her diamond form for the for the gem form. Little things like that. Yeah. yeah. And who's, um, who's writing that? This is... I think it's Kieran Gillen. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, it has been consistently getting better and better. 
And Sinister is a, an amazing villain when he's done right. And he's been done right since this Krakoan age started. Um, and yeah, there's only three issues left. There's Storm of the Brotherhood of Mutants, number three, Nightcrawler's number three, and then Sins of Sinister Dominion. That now, will bring it all around. With these three different series, are they like a linear storyline or is it like... Are, like, is it just kind of um, a typical, like your typical crossover where there's like the main story and then there's uh, like um, the like more ancillary books? Or is it like part one is in this book, part two is in this book, part three is in this book? You can kind of read it however you want. Okay. But just know that like the first issues of each title takes place 10 years down the line. The mm-hmm. second issue of every title of the three titles takes place a hundred years. And then the issue number three of each title takes place a thousand years. You technically read each of those number ones, number twos or number threes in whatever order. And then it jumps forward. There's a read. There is a, a reading list. I think it's just release order. Okay. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to look it up uh, uh, right now, but basically um, I don't know. I didn't want to like it. But they're all they, like it is growing on me. They do a lot of world building, and I really appreciate that. Why did you not want to like it? Let me ask you that. I don't like alternate timelines. They don't matter. Ah, uh, okay. Just like I don't like I don't like the multiverse unless it's done in a certain way, because multiverse stuff doesn't matter or it shouldn't matter. So that's I I, I have a different take on that because I like. First of all, I think that none of it matters because in comics, you know, you can wipe anything away whenever, especially superhero comics. So Uh to me, it's like if it's a good story, it's a good story. That's all that matters. Yeah. Did you ever like do you like alternate timeline stuff? Do you like Age of Apocalypse? Do you you like I've never read it. Okay. Did you ever read any of the Okay, so like. Any superhero alternate timeline? Do you like Flashpoint? Yeah, I like Flashpoint. Um, okay. I like... Uh, um, let's see. Alternate timeline stuff. I mean, I've read like Old Man Logan, which I liked at the time. I don't know if I would like it now, but I, I liked it yeah. at the time. Um, and like, I mean, I like Kingdom Come, which is technically an alternate timeline story. I love and- Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come is like one of my favorite comics of all time um so i mean it's like how do you define an alternate timeline story you know like why is flashpoint one and kingdom come is not and i get you know i know the distinction between the two um i guess i don't know i guess maybe it's not that alternate timelines don't matter it's that they have an extra feat every alternate timeline every elseworlds or what if story has an alternate like a like a added hurdle which is Prove to me why you deserve ink. I, I mean, I, I get that. I understand that for sure. Yeah. At least in the main storyline, main continuity, the hundreds of comics that factor into continuity, at least they all matter. They affect that universe in a small way or in a big way. And, you know, as like as a as a DC reader, yeah, um, a lot of times I'll see that Elseworlds tag on something and I kind of will think like, oh, it's probably not that good, you know? Yeah, there there uh, are some that are fantastic. Yeah, um, you know, I'm with you. 
for Did you every... ever read the Justice Riders one? No, but you told me about it. Okay, so, like, I, I bring that up because, like, DC, like, Elseworlds used to be just kind of, like, let's just change the genre of this, yeah. like, and, like, let's have knights in shining armor, but the knights are the Justice League. Yeah. Or, like, let's have it so that they're all, I don't know, again, all cowboys. That's Justice Riders, right? Let's make right. them all samurai. They've never done that. I don't think Justice League has done that. Uh, Marvel yet. has done that. Marvel has done the Japan like, Demon Day so, stuff. So let me ask you this then. Uh, since you're, you know, you you said you don't like alternate timelines. Have you read 1602? Uh, some of it. So like, I, I really, I, I think I read the first one. There's a second one too, but yeah. I really like the, just, you know, the, the Neil Gaiman, Andy Kubert miniseries 1602. I think that is yeah. really, really good. Yeah. And like, it, it just it does have another hurdle. The, the hurdle is is that like why should I care mm-hmm. if it's not the main timeline? Then then you have to you just have more work to do. Well, just show me why you care. Same with these like indie comics. Like I love like and I, I I respect indie comics, but when you're not part of a major universe, which is something that I, I just love. That's my personal sure, yes. Yeah. Like Invincible have like like when they did like there was a couple of spinoff series of Invincible. Mm-hmm. Like I read them all. Like I was I was very much for it. Uh, so these indie books is like, tell me why after issue one, I shouldn't just drop it. Like, why should I care about issue two and issue three? And this is anything, any story, any, any movie, TV show, comic book that like, you don't already have an adherence to like a love of, yeah. you know, um, like, like, like that's what I, that's what I love about indie books is that yeah. there is, there is a completely unrestricted freedom. You don't have to adhere to anything. There are no rules. You can make it up as you go along. Um, It's probably not going to be very good if you do that. You should at least, you know, have things figured out before you go. But like, um, yeah, it's just like infinite possibilities. And I love your optimism. There are, I mean, there are stinkers. There are. Yeah. Uh, There are. It's like dating though. It's like dating. It no, is. it's not. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think that it's like dating. I like reading comics. If you, yeah, but if you go out there and you date, sometimes, like a lot of the time, yeah, you don't mesh with that person. You, yeah, like the, the, the date doesn't go well. But you can think of it romantically, like every person that you have not met yet could be a possibility. Could Some... be a wonderful. A wonderful experience. Sometimes in, um, I have never done this, but other teachers will do this. Um, they'll do what's called like, uh, uh, like book speed dating, mm. um, where, you know, you have a bunch of tables set up. Uh, you have your students sit down. There's a book in front of them. They get like a minute and a half to look through the book and decide if it seems interesting to them. And then after that, uh, they put that book down and move on to the next one and they just keep doing it until they find something that, you know, at the end you can say, okay, which one of these would you like to read? Yeah. And, and they can find something, you know, like I, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Um, so maybe that should be, uh, we should do more comic book speed dating and combine the two ideas in indie comic book speed dating. Yeah, that could be possible. We have, we'll have to workshop how that yeah. works, but yeah. Um, 
yeah anyway that was a moral x-men number number three i'm looking forward to this this event being over but i'm glad that it's been steadily getting better yeah. as i think maybe it's one of those things they knew how it was going to end and how they're going to come back to it so things get more defined as right, it's going right on, right you know yeah they know what like what's a thousand years down the line gonna look like you know maybe that maybe that's the whole point but sure. there was a lot of good books i mean that's my pick of the week but like uh uh let's talk about uh a book that we both read we both read adventures of superman john kent number two yeah um the premise of this book at least for issue number one is that ultraman who is the evil superman the mirror image not a superman gone rogue because that factors in later but an e like a there's a universe out there where good is bad and bad is good, where yeah. bad guys always win, where it's nihilistic, where the heroes that we know and love uh, are twisted versions of themselves. Crisis on Two Earths, the animated movie touches on it, but Ultraman is the evil Superman, and he's going through the multiverse killing anyone who is Superman. Yeah, which uh, that idea in itself, I... I love that idea. Yeah. Of somebody um, going through, just going through the multiverse, finding every version of this one character they can, and, and eliminating them. Yeah. Um, they write it into the series why that's the case. Yeah. It's like, it's the, the multiversal signature of this one person, which is him. Right? Ultraman's yeah. multiversal signature is the same as Kal-El. But it's not the same as John Kent. So he can't track John across multiverses. Right. Or Val yeah. Zod. Or any any alternate Superman. But he can do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm digging this one. I, th I think it's a cool idea. Um, I like John as a character. Mm -hmm. I like that they are addressing the... Whoa, I pulled my headphones out. Um <laughs> I like that they're addressing the uh, like the age skip um, yeah. and like what it did to him. Yeah. Because um, anybody who doesn't know, um, John Kent, the son of uh, Superman and Lois Lane, uh, he was a child when he was first introduced. Um, he was just a, like, like a seven eight nine ten year old kid somewhere around there he was young and yeah. then uh brian michael bendis came on and wrote the superman and action comics books um and he had uh ultraman uh kidnap uh uh right isn't that that's that's how it yeah goes. but i don't he, remember because i didn't read that part i didn't because like it's 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 john he ages up after he leaves with with Jor-El. Yeah, like he goes with he goes with a version of Jor-El. Um I don't think it's a version. I think that was actually Jor-El, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's weird, but yeah. But uh he leaves with with Superman's dad, his biological dad, Jor-El. Um he spends time with the Legion of Superheroes. Um and then you know, for Clark Kent and Lois Lane, it's like a couple months he's gone. But when he comes yeah. back, he's 17. Yeah. You know, like his whole childhood is now gone and they didn't get to spend it with him. Um, and, you know, like fans of the book have found this to be 
uh, a real bummer because they wanted to watch grow up with them, like watch John grow up or at least get more of like the super sons, super sons and and super dad, you know, like that or like yeah. Superman being a dad, um, yeah. which we do and, get in Superman and Lois, the live action TV show, which yeah. is great, by the way. Yeah, but, I need I need to I need to watch season three. I haven't yet, but I haven't watched season uh, three yet. Yeah, uh, I did enjoy it. And it does, you know, it does some of the same stuff, um, but, you know, different. It, it is yeah. different. Um, yeah. But yeah, like and so in this they have it was kind of never really talked about what that spending all that time away from uh, Lois and Clark did to John. Because for him, it wasn't a couple months. It was seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And he has a lot of trauma with, with the Ultraman thing. The fact that Ultraman is coming through, like, there's layers to that, right? Yeah. 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 And I think that's a really cool idea. And I, I think it does. My whole thing now um, in my you know many, many years of reading superhero stuff, my whole thing now is what can you say about the human condition using a superhuman character? Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like there's a lot to say now with this storyline when a, a corrupt version of your dad is the reason why you have so much trauma. Yeah. And you as a super powered person have to deal with trauma on your own. Um, I feel like there's a, a lot of possibility for just very interesting storytelling there. Yeah. And the art is gorgeous. Can I yeah. just, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, it's very good. Talk about a red herring, though, for the premise of the series. Because, spoiler, anyone should, you know, anyone who wants to read this should fast forward about 30 seconds. Ultraman gets his neck snapped and it's Injustice Superman. So yeah. what's going on now? Is it going to be Injustice Superman being bad? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, where in the timeline is it in the Injustice timeline? I don't know. I never read any of the Injustice comics, so I, I they're great. I, don't know. I love um, talk about an alternate timeline that I and I don't believe it's an alternate timeline. It's its own universe. It doesn't yeah. fracture off. So everybody is fundamentally different. Uh, I like it. It's worth getting into. There are big changes, you know, and like I like. I like DC's ongoing Elseworld series. Yeah. Because they, over time, they get into a good groove and they start expanding on things better. Deceased is one of them. I still mm-hmm. like Deceased. I liked Injustice, you know. So Both both written by Tom Taylor, so. That's true. Maybe, and may, maybe that's who's right. Who writes Dark Knights of Steel? Tom Taylor? Tom Taylor. He's just, yeah, he's just the DC Elseworld. Tom guy. King's got, like, his I'm I'm a character label standalone. I, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a depressed version of a small time character, and yeah, super Tom, small on sometimes. Yeah, Tom Taylor has uh you know the the uh, parallel universe version of uh of characters you know and love. Yeah, that's that's what separates the two Toms. Yeah, I used to get that mixed up just because they were Toms. But not because they write the same. They don't write the same. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where this series goes. Uh, do you read Batman 134? I did. Talk about multiversal stuff. What, like, 
this is this is closing in on the end of this arc, this arc that took place after the failsafe arc, yeah. where Batman got zapped into an, another universe, right? Yeah. How are you liking this? I am... It pains me to say this as a massive Batman fan, as well mm. as as a big Chip Zdarsky fan. Yeah. I think his run has been incredibly boring. Even uh, the failsafe stuff? Yeah, uh, I thought the failsafe stuff was. Uh, it just it it felt so uninspired. Um, like yeah. I just I, I I don't know. I I think he's a great writer with great ideas and like everything else I've read by him, I've loved. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's just because I have high expectations for Batman. Cause again, like if you're going to write a superhero story, I need to know what you're doing with the character that makes it feel like, you know, it, it's, it's fresh and new and hasn't been done before. Um, what are you trying yeah. to say with this character? And all I've gotten from him on Batman is, what he's trying to say is, boy, isn't Batman cool? Which yeah. like you know, and it, it, maybe like, he's just having fun right now, or maybe that's, just, yeah, I don't that's, know. That's what it is. It's it's he's writing like a massive, big, like the equivalent of like a big budget blockbuster action movie, um with like some you know, comic book logic thrown in. Yeah. And that isn't to say there aren't parts of it that I do like. But overall, I've just felt very lukewarm and I've just been waiting for. I've been waiting for his run to end. I so want this that, arc to end at least. Maybe he has something better in store. Yeah, Maybe, I, I, you know. yeah, I want I want like a more personal Batman story. And I feel like this is just not that. I mean, it kind of is because it's dealing with like, you know, Bruce Wayne shot to an alternate timeline and he's you know, having to deal with like an alternate Joker who does his red mask. Yeah. And just like, which I don't care about. I don't either. Um, And like here, I'm going to grab the issue. I mean, like this red mask, I I just don't really care about it. Darren Halliday. I had to think to myself, have we heard this name before? I I was like, is it holiday? But that, that guy's that's Julian, Julian day. Julian day. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, no, Darren Halliday. Halliday. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, and like, I don't really like, I don't know, like, it depends I'm, on what you want out of Batman, right? But I don't feel like this is anything that anyone wants out of Batman. It'd be, I'd be hard pressed to find someone who is looking for another alternate universe Batman story where Batman just jumps through. The backup story in this is so much better. Did you read the backup in this? I did, and I didn't, re- I didn't really care about it. I mean, it's better um, than this. The Tim, Tim Drake being able to like talk to his mom, his mom's been dead. It's nice. It's yeah, it's cool, but I don't know. I just feel like that story has been told so many. Not specifically Tim Drake, but like you know, Barry. That's it's, when Barry it's, goes. It's to the Flash. Yeah. yeah, like the Flash gets to talk to his mom again, and yeah, you know. I, it, I mean, I mean, I, I told you, I told you what I would do with Batman, right? I would, I would explore his relationship to his children and actually dig into the family part. Yeah. If Um, I, if I, I think, I think we've talked about this before that like, you know, like me as somebody who wants to write comics and as a massive, as a big Batman fan, like Batman is my 
superhero um, because, you know, I'm every person ever. But like Batman, I, I have nothing interesting to say about Batman. So I, I don't want to write Batman at this point. You know, I can't. Uh, I, I can't... agree. I, I've been the same way. I've wanted to write Batman, but then I'm like, there are other people, if they're doing a straightforward Batman detective, whatever, they're better people than me. Right. But what's but your angle? What I would do is yeah. I want to, I, first of all, I want to do one because I don't think anybody's really done a good one in a, in a very long time, but I would um, do a red hood story um, that, you know, deals with the relationship between him and Batman and yeah. and really really dives into the sense of failure that batman gets when he sees red hood because that is not not only was letting him die a failure but him coming back and being the antithesis of batman yeah uh, de not dealing with that rage not dealing with that you know that that trauma in healthy ways that's the real failure um it's not that he died it was the fact that he came back and and he and and nothing not only did did things not get better things got worse for him um which is why i just i cannot i hate the fact that they've like let him be a regular member of the bat family again like he's so much better as a villain but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It just feels like... I, Zdars Zdarsky's Batman run just feels like somebody writing Batman, but not, like, not really knowing what to do with him, which is crazy because he's such a good writer Clearly, this is just like intentional. He's he's trying to do this kind of story. Um, it's maybe just not has working a payoff. for me. Maybe there's a payoff coming. Right? I, I hope maybe, so. Maybe he's just putting all his good juices into Daredevil, which he's writing over at Marvel. I mean, that's that's very possible. And I you have know? not I have not kept up with Daredevil, which I should. Oh, you got to you you jump back on Daredevil. I love Daredevil. Yeah. But um, I, I think like I think that a writer needs to realize two things. What does the audience want? Or the corollary of that is what do they not know they want, but they will want when you give it to them. You know, they might not know what they want and then you show them something new and then they will, you know, uh, and then what can you give them? Right. Like what's something special for me personally, out of all the series that I could write or would write, I would want to write an X-Men title for Marvel or uh, a Titans title for DC. Mm -hmm. Those are my two like big ones because I feel like I can bring a fresh new thing and respect the lore and like throw my own thing in. Um, I don't know you if you saw, but I did a TikTok series called Imprint with a capital T. Um, and it would be like if I went over to DC Comics and I'd say, give me five tight, not give me five Titans comics, but let me do a Hickman, five Titans titles, um, Titans related titles. And yeah. then have interconnecting stories in this corner of the DC universe where you can explore all these characters that you haven't like you've forgotten about for so long. I don't know if you've seen my TikToks. I, it was I like how I haven't no? seen that. Okay. No. Uh yeah. My 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 Titans titles would be Titans, Teen Titans, Young Justice, The Outlaws, and um Teen Titans Academy. 
and like who I would put on each team, I went over in my TikToks. It's yeah. on a playlist, but uh, I think you'd get a hoot out of that. But I would love to write that. Um, but uh, as readers, though, it's interesting because, like, yeah, we are also readers. We're writers. We're also readers. You know. Um, did I tell you about the short film I I wrote the first draft on? Mm-mm. It's comic book related. I'll I'll tell you about it later. I'm not going to say it on the air, but okay. Um, um, I think you'd like it, especially with your the way you read comics. It's comic book related. Uh, it's a short film. Anyway, um, did we read anything else that was overlapping? I don't think we did. I didn't read Poison Ivy 11. Did you? I did. Yes. Uh, tell me, tell me about that. Cause I read Poison Ivy 10. I'm up to 10. I didn't read 11. Okay. So yeah, it's a continuation of the, the, uh, of what happened, you know, a 10 was like the beginning of a new arc. Uh, I believe either that or nine was, um, but so there, you know, there's a new arc starting with Poison Ivy continuing her road trip. Um, I have, I've really loved this series. Um, yeah. I knew from the beginning that I was going to like it, but uh, I've, I've, I've really grown to just absolutely love it. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, I love what they're doing with like, poison ivy being more connected to the green um similar to swamp thing um they're bringing you know they're they're uh they've brought in um jason woodrow the uh uh the the floronic man yeah yeah uh who was her creator um way back when uh you know it's a lot of it is dealing with the fallout with um like she and Harley Quinn recently like broke up. Uh, and I just think that it's a really cool character piece um, for somebody who is, there's a lot, there are a lot of poison Ivy stories to tell. Do you tell the story where she's an eco terrorist? You know, do you tell the story where she's like a protector of plants? Yeah. Um, you know, and this book is, because it's told from her perspective, you can do both and kind of humanize her a little bit. Yeah. Um, you also get to do things like um, satirize, you know, corporations. Um, this the goop, the yeah, goop I mean, kind this, of retreat that all women retreat that they went to. Yeah, like, like this one, yeah. this this the the stuff that they're dealing with now is clearly like taking digs at Gwyneth Paltrow yeah uh, you know and like and that style of like you know yeah culty uh, kind of following yeah and i mean it's it's you know it is managed it, it it is a it is a book about a woman who can can who who is made of plants yeah but it still manages to be poignant and uh uh contemporary um, it has stuff to say. Uh, it's not always nuanced, um, but that's okay because at least it's saying something, you know. And I, right. I, I really like that. And uh, G Willow Wilson is on. I mean, now that she's at DC, she's on a roll with very in-your-face um, commentary on things. Like she yeah. did, she did the one bad day, uh, one shot for Catwoman, and mm. it was. How did that all, go? I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't read that one. It is. I mean, it is all about 
Catwoman basically saying, if you're rich and I'm not, I get to steal from you. You know, like that's what the premise of, of her character is. In yeah. It. Um, um, it's, and it's, I don't know. I think that it's dealing with a lot of when, when you get to write a villain, you can justify writing about um, kind of venting your frustrations in ways yeah. that you can't do if they're a hero. Cause if they're a hero, they have to do the right thing or at least learn to do the right thing. Um, I was worried. That's what I was worried about this title. I was worried that one of two things, one is that she would just turn into a hero and just be a hero in this title. Kind of like how Harley did almost a complete, like, She's almost a complete hero. She's yeah, she's still Harley, but you know she's she's kind of a hero now, right? And what what Cat I like in the same way. What I what I like about um, Wilson's writing is that, um, and and I you know there has to be some praise given to editors who are letting this stuff come through. But like, um, she is respecting the audience enough to know that like if a villain is saying these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like good or right. Um, and so like when you have a character like Catwoman who is justifying stealing because she's taking from rich people, it's like, you know, breaking into a rich person's house probably isn't the best thing to do. But like right now in 19 or 19, 2023 America, um, it kind of feels like we want to do that sometimes because of the massive disparity in in wealth and and inequality and stuff like that and like you can kind of get away with airing that frustration when you're writing a villain because like batman would have to you know you'd have to have a a a thing with batman being like oh maybe i shouldn't be doing that you know kind of thing right um plus i mean it's just stuff like that is kind of out of character for batman but you you, yeah Batman's not gonna steal but like uh it has been a very it, it, it this this comic rides the line like it, it has layers as the nuance layers mm-hmm. and then it has the layers of like yeah this is a gwyneth paltrow kind of thing or this yeah. is like a greedy corporate business person who is you know not paying their workers enough and dumping illegal toxic stuff into the environment now my biggest thing when i was growing up with poison ivy i always wondered to myself like if I go out and I mow my backyard, my lawn in the back, is she just going to come up and kill me for <laughs> mowing my lawn? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I always was a little bit confused by Poison Ivy. Why? Like, I don't get, I don't get her. It's easy to just be like, save all plants, but why? What, to what extent? And mm-hmm. so in this, this is the first time in this series where I'm like, oh, she talks about it. She talks about what does she eat? She eats plants, right? Yeah. She eats plants. She's like, it's natural. Just because she wants to save the earth and is connected to the green doesn't mean she doesn't eat plants because plants eat plants. Plants eat bugs sometimes. Like, right. depends. Uh, so she's, you know, that's the sort of think, life. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest. I think it makes perfect sense for uh, poison ivy to eat people. But that's just me. Uh... I I think her heart is still human. Like her soul, right? Yeah. Like well, she may be completely plant, but like she's she still has a human, she's tethered to humanity. 
Yeah, but and she talks about how she doesn't she doesn't outright murder like just innocent civilians anymore, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's been a change because she even used though, to just be like, eh. Even though like the whole first arc is talking about her like killing millions of people, like that's her that's her goal is to let the fungal thing spread, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. been. It's been really good. I've I've been a really big fan of it. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, my uh, you won't read it because it'll be uh, an alternate timeline story. But in okay. mine, Poison Ivy will be a cannibal. Like a like a there has to be a Venus flytrap motif to it then, right? Yeah. And she would eaten, be cool. She would eaten, be cool. She's eating people. Yeah. It she's would be eaten, cool, though. She's eating animals. She, She's a she has a beautiful face, but then her face opens up into a Venus flytrap. Yeah, there you go. And then just and she's just chomping down. Woo! Uh yeah. That'd be that'd be cool and scary at the same time. But you know. <laughs> speaking speaking of scary, uh yeah. this this poison ivy book is like full on body horror at times. It is and it's it awesome. Is fungus growing out of people's eyeballs. It is yes. I it mean it's like like there's no way with 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 Warner Brothers and HBO being owned by the same company there's no way that they were like not thinking of the last of us as yeah. they were putting this out right cuz what what's the fungus called in the last of us cordyceps cordyceps yeah they do bring up cordyceps in this in this series oh yeah they do they do and uh you know like the um i'm gonna grab the book for reference real quick um yeah because the name of the fungus there's a so like if anybody's not reading it um poison ivy has a fungal she's she has a fungus that is growing inside of her and she can spread it to people and then if they if they get it inside of them, she could control them. Um, it's a uh, uh, it's a big part of uh, this issue. It's a big part of the story uh, going forward. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah, it's cool. We and... got ten minutes to talk about all the other comics that we read this week. Oh wow, go ahead. Uh, so, uh, I want to, I want to hit the one. Okay. I'm going to hit a couple that I read and then I think there, there, uh, there's some that you read too. Um, real quick flash 796 is the end of the one minute war. They solved the problem, spoiler alert. And, uh, uh, they fixed some things. You see some good flash family. I'm a big fan of superhero families. Yep. Uh, whether they're found families, whether they're, they're whatever families, like I want to see more bat family. I want to see more flash family. Uh, the X-Men have always been a family, so that's what's been awesome about X-Men to me. Um, you see some super some super speed shenanigans, and I love it. If you're a Flash fan and you like seeing everybody, this is the end of this chapter. You know, stick through it. One one minute war. It's been it's been fairly good. I don't know if you know the premise. Are you, are you reading it? I so I was reading the uh early issues. I, I missed an issue, and so I haven't been reading the rest of it. But I've been picking up, so I have I have seven ninety six here. I just haven't read it yet because I got to go back and read what I didn't read. Um, okay. But yeah, we we talked about it on the show. Uh, yeah. I I I like the idea of it. I think it's really cool. The family aspect of it uh, has really just been um, really fun to read. Yeah, that's what sucks about the new the new fifty two. I hated. You can quote me on it. 
There are series that were good and there are se- most were not. But the problem with the D- DC runs on legacy. Mm-hmm. More so than Marvel. DC runs on legacy. DC runs on the fact that DC as a company came out, had a 30 year head start on Marvel. Like, yeah. like DC's whole point to exist is legacy. All their characters rely on. There was a superhero team in, in the world war two. There were heroes before us and there will be heroes after us. So getting rid of that legacy, getting rid of that family, it was the biggest detriment of new 52 and why it couldn't work in the long run. You're just going to reintroduce heroes again. It just doesn't make, didn't make sense. Anyway, the flash, the flash family's back, baby. So flash 796 end of the one minute war, catch it on trade. You know, if you get a chance. Mark Miller has a new series because Mark Miller is Mark Miller called Nightclub. It's about three teenage kids in high school that get vampire powers. But there's some vampire conspiracy in the background while they're playing superheroes. They're being vampire superheroes, essentially. But there's a vampire conspiracy in the back with vampire antics. So if you like vampires and it's kick-ass meets vampires, I guess. This is really what it is, you know? And it's Mark Miller. Mark Miller wrote Kick-Ass a long time ago. Great. An amazing series so far, Scarlet Witch number four. Well, Scarlet Witch in general, but issue number four came out this week. The art is so damn beautiful. Who's writing it? Uh, I don't I don't know. I have to I'd have to give me uh, if if you can look it up real quick, give me the whole creative team, like the you know, writer and artist. It's 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 so beautiful. Uh I can't I can't get enough. Last issue had a cover with her and Polaris hanging out. Uh, it's Steve Orlando as okay. writer, Sarah Pacelli okay, as artist, ink by Elizabeth, uh, Elizabetta uh, Domico, and colors by Matt Wilson. Okay. All coming together to make this beautiful piece of art. Um, basically, the premise of this series is that Scarlet Witch has her own like coffee shop slash trinket shop, I think. And I think it's a trinket shop, not a coffee shop. And in it has a magical door that anyone who ever needs help, a door will appear and they will come into this shop. Anyone who's ever in need of refuge can magically come to Scarlet Witch for help. That's the premise of the book. I like that. Yeah. And so people just pop in. And sometimes it's a one-issue thing. Sometimes it's an ongoing thing. It's only issue four. Um and there's a there's a there's a stone that's impervious to magic. Who knows what's gonna happen? Right. But uh it's amazing. This this book, I'm not a big fan of Scarlet Witch. Uh I like Scarlet Witch when she deals with the X-Men, but for the most part, I don't like Scarlet Witch. This makes me love Scarlet Witch. This is the iconic Scarlet Witch take okay. that we needed. All right. That's what I think. Uh in my personal opinion. Uh you read Tell me about Love Everlasting Six. Uh, okay, so uh, it is. Have you have you read any of Love Everlasting? Uh, first issue. It, okay. it was weird, but I, I want to continue. But it was it was weird. Premise of it is uh, there is a woman. Um, she falls in love. Every time she falls in love with uh, somebody, um, she wakes up at a different time period as a different person. She's the same name, but a different person. Um, and so she's kind of in this weird, like quantum leap. Yeah. But like, romance. Yeah. 
Um, There's in later issues, there's um, another person who is like jumping with her through Mm. these places. He tracks her down and kills her every time. Um, Oh, okay. And uh, issue six is the beginning of a new arc where she meets a new guy. Um, She knows it's not going to go anywhere. So when she gets bored of it, she's just like, all right, let's get married. Knowing that as soon as she says yes, she's going to time jump and it doesn't happen. Because she's not in love. And so, uh, Ah! uh, and then, uh, I mean, in this issue, like she's, she's waiting for this guy to come kill her. Where is he? You know, like it's, it's. uh, If she dies, does she get reborn or does she have to fall in love before she dies? uh she so if she if she dies um she just wakes up somewhere new okay she doesn't have to find love before she dies and it's and it's uh i don't i don't believe so um i don't know because it seems like she always does so like i don't know that that question has been asked yet Uh oh Um, uh oh so uh but um yeah i mean she uh the thing, the, what makes it interesting is that, like, it's not like she wakes up and she has all these memories of, like, you know, these different lives she's lived. A life not lived, yeah. She, she, she wakes up and she is the person who she wakes up as. So, if this person lived in the 1960s in New York, she has a whole life in the 1960s in New York up to that point. But um, she doesn't remember. She, that she remembers she remembers oh, she does. her whole you know that person's whole life and then like she'll get little you know memories of who she has been in the past before she time jumped but yeah um I, it's a I, it's a really cool take on it's a, a romance genre. genre quantum leap yeah yeah um and yeah. it's 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 a very cool take on a genre that you know has a, a vast history in comics but hasn't been utilized much um romance the romance genre of comics is historically a very foundational part of like comic mm-hmm. history yeah it is um it's i mean kirby cut his chops on on romance comics before oh, really? he was yeah before he oh. was the marvel guy yeah he was doing romance comics and it's weird how how the comics have have you know the the comics comics are a medium right and they're not a genre they used to have right. so many different genres and how those genres have progressed over time because of different historical bits you know uh, uh and societal pressures uh archie archie is probably the only romance comic that ever got made it out a lot yeah you know so, uh this this last got book. a couple minutes by the way this last book uh, that I'm going to yeah. tell you about, just give you the premise. Oh, it's the called, nasty. It's called the nasty. Yeah. Um, it's, it's from vault comics. It's by uh, the creative team is John Lees and uh, George Combadeus. Okay. And Adam Cahoon. Um, okay. Premise is uh, it takes place in the nineties in Scotland. Uh, this kid um this teenager is obsessed with uh like the horror movies that are like low budget and getting banned um from uh uh like the uk board um like media board um and they call them nasties that's i guess that's what they called them um and so uh he as a massive horror fan has this imaginary friend who is the slasher from a horror movie he saw when he was a kid. And yeah, uh, this imaginary friend goes around with him and just is kind of there um, as somebody to lean on 
uh, as he goes through his life, but he's like, he's imaginary. He can't actually do anything until right. in this book, um, the imaginary friend kills somebody. Uh, oh. And so what happens next? Um, that's the idea. Um, I think it's a cool idea. I didn't think the execution was as good as it could have been. Lot of expositional dialogue that just I didn't feel was necessary or could have been um, explained to the reader in a more interesting way. But yeah, that that was my big thing. I think the art's really cool in it, though. All right. Is it worth picking up? Um, I would say wait on it. I would say if you're a fan of like slasher horror, yes. Um, If you're somebody who's kind of lukewarm on that stuff, maybe not. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, by the way, I got a TikTok idea that I will definitely loop you in on, but I want to do uh, like a stitch this with your with a, a horror recommendation comic. For All right. Because I would say Last House, like I'm not a big horror fan. I'm not. But like Last House on the on the Lake or Nice House. Uh, nice House nice on the Lake. House on the Lake. Fantastic. Last House on the Left. Not not that. Nice House on the Lake uh, is what I would recommend. Because it is, it is a mindfuck. Well, and I'm going to have to think of a different one. Think of a different one. There's a, there's enough out there. Uh, real quick, uh, what I wanted to touch on, Wolverine 32. We're dealing with an evil beast. An evil beast doing what he thinks is right for Krakoa. It's pretty damn good. The art's good. Story's good. Uh, it's it's There's some weird, weird stuff going on with Beast. And uh, he got his classic hairstyle back. Okay. So, All right. Whatever that means for you. Uh, Spider-Man number seven is the end of the Spider-Verse, the, tr- the the final trilogy, the final installment of the trilogy. Even though this was an ongoing, they didn't put it as a miniseries. Spider-Man seven finishes the end of the Spider-Verse, which is the tr- the third Spider-Verse <laughs> crossover event. And um, yeah, I don't know. If you like that sort of, huge high concept like spider-man from different multiverse uh universes in the multiverse just finish this off just just finish it just to finish it you'll see some cool things and we can move on i i I just want to move on from there um and amazing spider-man 23 i have to now go back two more issues because this is dealing with and i didn't realize what time period this was set in this is dealing with the gap of time that started right before issue one that they alluded to. And now it's 23 issues later and they're finally getting to that lost gap in time. And it's like, ah, oh, my, my mind can't handle this. They're jumping back and forth in time, pocket universes. It's not multiverse pocket universes, but it's trying to make sense of it. Will they stick the landing? I don't know. Maybe if I can make sense of it, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not, I'm, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. So I haven't, okay. I haven't been reading it yet. Uh, eventually I will put together a list of this new amazing Spider-Man run of the comics that are worth reading. And it's not, it's not even gonna be half. So <laughs> I'll tell you which arcs are worth reading, you know, at a certain point. Uh, Drew, thanks so much, man, for taking time out of your, out of your day, hey. out of your night. Are you central time? I am central time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Taking time out of your night to, to be here on, on comic talk. Um, again, you're here every month. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're part of the rotation. I'm, always great I'm glad that I, Hey, I just like, you know what? I like having friends. 
Yeah. So. And and talking comics, like I'm 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 sure like it like without this show, you'd be like, you need to find people to talk comics. With. That's how I am. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, you know, to have people who are who are reading week to week. Um, Drew, where can people find you online? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Um, let's see. I am uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm 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 all those places. Same name, uh, Drew X deficit uh find me there um i'm having conversations that's that's what i'm doing um the only thing uh only thing worth mentioning uh in terms of like what i got going on uh uh justice league cosmic chaos the Mm. video game that i wrote uh came out uh last month um it's been uh it's been uh getting pretty good reviews um so uh, if you haven't played it, play it. Sometimes I've done I've done one. I'm gonna do another one. But uh, you know, I was playing the game um, uh, on TikTok and interacting with people, giving people like basically offering a commentary track of yeah. uh, of the game, uh, and that was fun. So uh, I think I'll do one of those uh, uh, again sometime soon. Awesome. Let me know. I want to tune in. Uh, cool. It's on the Switch, right? It is on Switch. It's on all okay. the consoles. Cool. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it and then I got a new TV, so nice. I'm moving in a new my, my new apartment. So I'll set it up and put yours on the big screen. Nice. And I'll play it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, for anyone out there uh, who doesn't know already, yeah, we 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 stream this show. This is Comic Talk. We do it every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we stream it up on Twitch.tv/slash The Keeg Show and YouTube.com/slash The Keeg Show. Uh, you can also find us, uh, this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, um, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. We are there. So um, you can find us and our other shows. This is Comic Talk. We also have the Mandalorian after show that we do like late, late night, early, early morning. Um, we also do co- uh, the Keeg Talks, which we talk about a different geek topic every geek week that is on weekends. Um, sometimes Mondays. I think we got to catch up on some on Mondays. Uh, I guess our next episode we're going to be doing is a Dungeons and Dragons movie episode and the Super Mario Brothers movie episode. So definitely stay tuned to new episodes of the Keek Talks to come. Um, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Keek Show, Facebook and Twitter also at the Keek Show, but Instagram and TikTok are big ones. Um, find a comic shop near you with uh, comicshoplocator.com. And patreon.com slash the Keeg show if you want to give back to the Keeg. It's pretty much our advertising budget. So, you know, be a part of that if you'd like. Other than that, definitely uh, stay tuned for more episodes from the Keeg. Thank you, Drew, so much for being here. As always, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you to everybody out there for watching and or listening. Once again, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira. And this has been Comic Talk for April 6th, 2023. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.